0: Welcome to Emerge Everywhere. I'm Jennifer Tesher, journalist turned financial health champion. As founder and CEO of the Financial Health Network, I've spent my career breaking down silos by engaging with innovators across industries, and now I'm sharing those conversations with you. Meet the forward-thinking leaders challenging the status quo and unleashing creative new ways of improving financial health by seeing their customers, employees, and communities in 3D. Today, I'm joined by two senior leaders from Prudential Financial. Janella Frias, president of the retirement business, and Jamie Calamarides, president of the group insurance business. Combined, these two have over three decades at Pru, and they've been instrumental in shifting the company's purpose to financial wellness. The products that they run, retirement plans and insurance policies are critical tools for building resilience. The pandemic has demonstrated why financial resilience is so critical, and they are doubling down on their efforts to help employers serve as a backstop. Jamie and Janela, welcome to Emerge Everywhere. Thank you, great to be here.
1: And we're really excited.
0: So the two of you are maybe not lifers at Prudential, but you've both been at the company a long time. Uh, Janella, you joined in 1997, that's 23 years, and Jamie, I think you've been there for about 16 years now, uh, so that you both have the long view, really, on the company and its evolving strategic focus on financial wellness. Tell us uh, about your path to your current role and how the company's evolution, uh, how that's shown up uh, in the jobs that you've held at the firm. Let's let's start with Janella.
2: So yeah, as you said, I joined Prudential in 1997, fairly early in my professional career. Um, And I certainly didn't expect to be here for so long, but I've had an extremely rewarding and diverse path to where I am today that has, and really continues to challenge and help me grow. Um, I grew up in the finance organization where I had a number of roles in corporate treasury. And also I was the CFO for several businesses, individual life and annuities. And about three years ago, I transitioned to the business side, specifically the retirement business. And I took on my current role about nine months ago, leading the retirement business. Um, along the journey, the constant and the biggest motivating factor has really been our purpose. We are a purpose-driven organization, fully committed to serving our customers and solving the financial challenges of our changing world. What about you, Jamie? Jamie?
1: Yeah, as you said, I joined in uh, 2004 when we acquired uh, another retirement business, which I had been at for five years. And that uh, business, I stayed with uh, within Pru. I was with the retirement business uh, until three years ago. And within that business, I did all kinds of things. I ran client segments focusing on not-for-profits, government clients, and unions. I focused on uh, our 401k and 403B 457 business. I ran an actuarial consulting firm and I um, was responsible for some uh, institutional insurance products that are they're called stable value. They allow individuals to have a safe um, guaranteed fund within 401k plans. And all of those experiences were really neat because I got to understand the fundamental needs and the fundamental gaps that individuals have across this country and how important it is for the employer and the workplace to be able to help solve those gaps. Three years ago, I took the challenge of running our group insurance business, which provides employee benefits like life insurance, disability insurance, paid leave, a variety of uh, voluntary products and uh, a variety of sort of financial education to about 3,500 employers and about 25 uh, million individuals across both government, associations, unions, the very largest companies and mid-sized companies.
0: So you mentioned purpose. Uh, That was one of the very first things that you said. Um, And I'm wondering, um, is that, Does that help explain why the two of you have stayed so long? The fact that Prudential really uh, is a purpose-driven company uh, and they've also evolved their purpose to uh, focus on financial wellness.
1: Our purpose is we solve the financial challenges of a changing world. And it really is what uh, excites me and motivates me. I'm driven and my core values are around faith and family. And at Prudential, I find that I can do good while doing well for the company at the same time. And we found that if we can identify societal problems that don't have great solutions, that that's a wonderful opportunity for us to be able to come up with solutions and actually make them sustainable, competitive, innovative, and offer them at the right value and do the right thing for our shareholders at the same time. And that's really exciting and motivating to us and to me. Yes,
2: yeah, so very similarly, I mean, our our work is purpose driven, very meaningful. Uh, in the retirement business, we are helping millions of Americans prepare for retirement. And in order for them to be able to save for retirement, uh, an individual has to be financially well along the entire journey. That means having emergency savings, managing debt, knowing how to manage their finances so they're not living beyond their means. And that's really where our financial wellness tools come in to help our participants prepare for that long-term goal of retirement while managing their day-to-day finances. And the fact that my colleagues and I play a key role in that for all our retirement clients is tremendously motivating and satisfying. Uh, one person at a time, but it really, really makes a difference. It really matters when we can help people save for that long-term goal and help them be well along the way and be part of a company that really values that and really puts our customers first.
0: So it sounds so obvious when you say it, this idea that uh, to retire successfully, that you've gotta be financially healthy, financially well all along the way, but that wasn't necessarily the motivating factor or the motivating idea at Prudential
2: until maybe a few years ago. How did the company get there? As you start looking at the statistics, right? And you start seeing that so many Americans don't have emergency savings, can't afford a $500 emergency. Then over time, as we did research and we looked at our our participants and our clients and, and better understood the challenges, and you realize that when somebody is living paycheck to paycheck or perhaps beyond their means, saving for retirement comes last. And so over time, through talking to our clients, understanding the, the research better, we realized that you really have to be financially well along the way and that we need to provide those tools. And as we have worked with our clients, the employers, you know, over the past couple of years, they've really embraced this notion and they understand the value. And they also understand the the financial value to them, because if you have employees that are concerned about their financial well-being, focus on their financial challenges, they're not as productive, they're not present at the workplace. And in addition, if you have employees that are, are not ready and cannot retire on time, that creates all kinds of challenges for workforce management. So there are real business imperatives for our clients to help their employees be financially well and prepare for retirement. And I think that cross-section of understanding the value and understanding and us developing those tools that really help the participants has really made this a key area of focus and um, really has everyone highly engaged over the past couple of years.
0: So both of your businesses rely heavily, if not exclusively, on the workplace as a distribution channel. I wonder how the two of you break down the natural silos between your two businesses to collaborate and to leverage each other's products and employer relationships. I mean, there, there obviously is an important connection between insurance and retirement. And I suspect you have in many cases overlapping um, end user customers with, with policy holders and retirement plan holders.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, most people's asset based wealth is through their empl- starts through their employer in the retirement plan most people's growing area of getting insurance is through their workplace whether or not it's a employer or a union or a professional association despite that there are all kinds of weird barriers that have been set up in the past just over time that sort of inhibit the connection of those things that we work to overcome on a regular basis. And and here's what some of those barriers are. Most insurance, like group benefits, are tied to the healthcare cycle. And they don't need to be, but they are. And that's just a historical fact. Most retirement solutions are not done that way, and they're administered and record-kept differently, so that the employer has sort of historically put things into buckets instead of thinking about it from a financial wellness perspective. One of the real opportunities and challenges that our businesses work on together is coming out with one framework for financial wellness and delivering that one framework to our individual clients, our mutual clients, and all of the ecosystem so that we come as one organization to the marketplace.
0: So more of a modular approach where here's a platform and now you can plug in as the employer, you can plug in the products that we offer that you think are of interest to your employees. Yes?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we want to make sure that we offer the platform. Sometimes it's not our platform. Sometimes it's the employer's platform and we're the modular connectors. Exactly. Got
0: it. Got it. And, and, and Janella. You know, talk a little bit about how important or how valuable the workplace is as part of this idea of an integrated financial health system, particularly given the changing nature of work, both to technology and also what we've seen, frankly, with COVID. Um, how do you adapt uh, your businesses given the way in which work is changing?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, look, well before COVID, um, employers were already embracing the idea of offering more financial wellness tools and resources to their workers as part of the holistic benefits program, as we chatted about before. And that's because we know people need help with their finances and figuring out how to save for the future when you've also got short-term expenses and debt to pay off is not easy. And as Jamie mentioned, um, Although there have been some some obstacles, we believe the workplace is the best place to build people's confidence and familiarity with their financial options and to help them build positive habits for budgeting and debt management and savings. And that is simply because the employer-sponsored benefits program provides so many opportunities and touch points to engage with individuals in discussions about their goals, really year-round, especially on the retirement side, right, and also at critical life events, whether it's marriage or the birth of a child, and also when something unexpected happens, like they need a disability claim, so that you know covers the spectrum between their retirement business and the group, or when it when they need a hardship withdrawal uh, from their retirement plan. And also, the reality is that 76% of people say they trust their employers. That's ahead of the trust that they have in any other institution, whether it's the government, the media, or other businesses. So there's a a very wonderful opportunity there to engage. Um, And also, as I mentioned, employers have a vested interest in helping their employees with their financial education and tools. Because again, research shows that the workers are more likely to stay when they have these financial wellness tools and there will be less stressed about, about finances. So the, the reality is that the workplace is such a wonderful opportunity. And I think as employers more embrace more the fact that there is a real benefit here from the, not only the personal level, but also the, the business and professional level, I think we're having a lot more success really engaging and really providing that holistic view and the tool set to help employers and employees.
0: So how do we think about workers who um, aren't connected to only one employer or who are um, gig workers or, I mean, there have been home health care workers forever, right? This gig thing is, we think it's new, but it's not really new. Um, uh, What do we do about those workers? And is that something that Prudential ultimately can play a role in, or is that really need to come from uh, different, either a different kind of company or from the government?
1: Yeah. It, now, a different type of company in the government are certainly thinking about gig workers, 1099 workers, but is already playing a role in them. And we really think about this not as just 1099 or W-2, but people that are doing uh, part-time 1099 job side gigs as well. So there's almost a spectrum of W-2 side gig workers and 1099 workers. And it turns out side gig workers and some 1099 workers get benefits through their partner's uh, plans at the workplace. And so we think about not just what the employee's doing, but their whole family. We might serve them that way. The other way we serve 1099 workers is through unions and associations. This allows individuals that have collective, um, bargaining power or collective interest in terms of an association to work together and be able to be portable across uh, different workplaces, but still get the benefits of businesses. And we do that for both professional organizations like doctor's associations or certified organizations like CPAs who are oftentimes 1099 workers, but then across things like nurses and a variety of other areas as well. And the retirement business uh, serves that area too, and uh, maybe Janelle, you, know, you want to talk about the promise of Open Maps and how that might work as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I would add, let's not forget that small businesses account for almost ninety nine and a half percent of all employer firms in the U.S. So, in addition to the gig economy and and the contract workers, we have the challenge of individuals working for small businesses where they do not have access to the to the plan because it's very difficult for these small businesses to afford it um so that is an area that for uh, frankly for over a decade prudential has been advocating for increased access to retirement plans for small businesses through open um, multiple employer plans and frankly jamie has uh, done a lot of that when he was over in retirement really focused on that and the great news is that the groundbreaking Secure Act legislation that was passed at the end of 2019 really brought this benefit to life, and really has provided the opportunity for these multiple employer plans to be to be um, to be provided. So we continue to monitor the implementation efforts. Obviously, it's early days, but we're looking at what's happening at the Department of Labor, Treasury, to ensure that any other regulatory guidance furthers the development uh, of a robust and competitive map. Marketplace, and obviously we're looking at how can we participate, and where are there opportunities to partner, and really bring this to life now that we have the legislation available.
0: So Danella, earlier this year, uh, Prudential joined um, our Financial Solutions Lab, an initiative that we launched in 2014 with founding partner J.P. Morgan Chase. For the last six years, the lab has cultivated, supported, and scaled innovative ideas that. Advance the financial health of low to moderate income consumers and historically underserved communities. Thank you for your support and investment. I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about why Prudential made this investment and the role of FinTech and InsurTech in driving
2: financial health for all. Yeah, so first of all, we're very excited uh, about the partnership. And we really view the partnership with the Financial Solutions Lab as, as really being very closely aligned to our mission of solving the financial challenges of our changing world. And we've really just been very impressed by the work of the lab, uh, including the lab's success in producing consumer insights and accelerating cross-sector collaboration and in scaling financial solutions for underserved communities, right? So that's very much aligned with what we're trying to do. And much of this is done through leveraging fintech and insurtech, tech and really leveraging and focusing on areas where there are The ownership is really from from places where uh, these communities and, and, uh, you know, Black or or other minority-owned companies, which is just really exciting. And that is why Prudential has recently committed the $10 million, as you mentioned, over five years. And given the growing economic inequalities that we see and that we're obviously experiencing right now, we are increasingly focused on equipping historically underserved communities Uh, and individuals with the tools and support they need to get on the path to economic and social mobility. These are communities that we are very active in. We are in Newark uh, and we were founded in Newark and are still in Newark. So we live in a community where we are quite active and we really believe this partnership will result in great outcomes for the communities that we serve. So you mentioned Newark.
0: Prudential obviously has deep roots in Newark, which is the headquarters of the company. Um, And it's one of the country's oldest cities actually. And after the civil unrest in 1967 and the resulting white flight, Prudential chose to stay in Newark when a lot of other companies left. Um, I think Prudential has probably seen firsthand the impact of systemic racism um, and to its credit has invested over a billion dollars in, uh, in uh, Newark's resiliency and success. Uh, after George Floyd's uh, killing, Prudential issued a statement acknowledging the problem of systemic racism and the company's role in both the problem and potential solutions. I wanna read from that statement for a moment. Prudential was founded on the principle of equity, that financial security should be within reach for everyone And yet, we haven't always been on the right side of history with Black consumers. Examining our past revealed business practices as a legacy company that we are not proud of, including practices that negatively impacted Black Americans and other underserved communities. We know we have much important work to do and are prepared to be judged by our actions. It is important not only to publicly own that history and apologize for it, but most crucially, to work aggressively to close the enduring racial wealth gap that our practices further widened. Now, I can't think of another company, certainly not a financial services firm, that has acknowledged its actions as it relates to systemic racism and has apologized for them. What does that acknowledgement mean to each of you personally? And how do the proactive measures that the company is taking to close the racial wealth gap show up in each of your businesses? Jamie, let's start with you.
1: I I think that the the drive and the need for persistent action to create equity is a, um, there's a moral case. For me, there is a faith case and I think that there's a very obvious business case for it as well. The, the business case goes like this. Companies and organizations that have more diverse thinking are better p- performers. They're more productive. They're more innovative. They outperform in terms of stock. So even if we're not even thinking about the altruistic or the moral or the faith-based approach, There's a very good reason why our shareholders want us to do this. Our consumers want us to do this. Our employees want us to do this. We want the very best talent. And that's why uh, we made uh, a series of nine commitments, uh, taking action for our people, taking action through our businesses to make uh, equity better and taking actions in society. And each of our leaders, myself included, are personally committed, measured upon, and are investing time, energy, and resources to make sure that we're gonna fulfill not only those actions, but actually make progress in our uh, quest to have better equity across this country.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, um, first of all, I'm very proud to work in an organization that acknowledges its past mistakes and learns from them that cares deeply for its employees and customers and that truly believes in equity and financial security for all. Um, and, you know, Jamie mentioned the commitments we we just made. These commitments were born out of the courageous candor of nearly 7,000 Prudential employees who shared their experiences and also shared their expectations in more than 125 employee forums on racial equity across the company. And these were just incredible sessions and I you know each of us probably participated in a double-digit number of them every one of them had similarities but every one of them had their unique characteristics but so touching and just so personal and it was wonderful to engage in these conversations Um, but these commitments came were really born out of that And these proactive measures and commitments will show up in every aspect of our business, talent practices, product design, distribution, investment strategies, partnerships, and really how we engage within our communities and with our customers. And in in our views, you know, they must be and will be part of who we are and in everything we do.
0: I know it's early. Uh, These are relatively new commitments the company has made. But as you think about your own businesses that you run, um, less so about internal uh, prudential issues, but more about the businesses you run, the customers you work with, Um, are there top of mind or low-hanging fruit opportunities, you think, um, that can help contribute to closing the racial wealth gap?
1: I think we've talked about some of them already. Uh, We know that. When you have access to a retirement plan, you have 13 times more savings than those people who don't have access to a retirement plan. Retirement plans are by far the greatest way to actually not only create um, wealth for the individual for their lifetime, but to create intergenerational wealth transfer. The next biggest thing that uh, the racial wealth gap the next biggest factor is emergency savings and unexpected bumps along the way of that inhibit financial resiliency, and we've talked about that too. Those two elements of both emergency savings and then either life insurance or disability insurance, if you have unexpected uh, loss of uh, work along the way, those things are really, really critical. Uh, the final area that we're starting to focus on a lot is and we, COVID, uh, just as the catalyst for it, is the need for paid family medical leave. That is, when you need to be a caregiver for yourself, for uh, a loved one, or in a maternity, paternity situation, um, you need to be able to take time and still get paid along the way. And right now, our country has a patchwork of solutions and a patchwork of mandates, and we're committed to finding a public-private partnership that allows sustainable, comprehensive pay relief going forward.
0: I'm glad you raised that last point, Jamie, about public-private partnership. There is a lot that uh, the private sector that big corporations like Prudential can do. But as I think we've been reminded through COVID, only the government can print its own money uh, when there's a big emergency, a big crisis. uh, again, many of the challenges that people are facing are decades in the making. They're just being um, uh, brought to the surface because of the challenges of, of COVID and the economic downturn. Um, and some of them are going to require policy change. How does a company like Prudential uh, engage? Uh, you have a job to do, you have a business to run, uh, you have a variety of stakeholders, including shareholders. Um, is it your role to be Uh, advocating uh, for policy change with the government? How do you think about that? I know you've done a lot of work in that regard in particular.
1: We do think it's our active role as business leaders to engage in the conversation about policy. And we do that actively in Washington, in state capitals, um, with uh, affinity groups, with regulators. And I endeavor to bring a practitioner's set of experiences and data on how to make solutions sustainable, comprehensive, affordable, innovative. And you can only do that if you participate in the conversations. Some of my greatest insights are gained by talking to um, not-for-profit organizations. They're working on the ground with a specific community and they don't have the scale or the capital to be able to make it, scale it up. And uh, we either help them or uh, they help us, or sometimes it's both along the way. And, and that coupled with lobbying and making changes to make it better for everybody is, is really a core part of our business.
0: So I was in an airport a couple of years ago, and I very clearly remember walking by a big poster about financial wellness, and I realized it was a prudential advertisement. In fact, I took a picture of it and I looked at it the other day. It said destination colon wellness, which makes sense because I was in O'Hare Port in Chicago. And given what I do for a living, I was really excited, hence the picture. Um, The company has really been one of the most bullish in leveraging wellness as a major part of its brand. Um, Our conversation today shows how the company's commitment goes beyond ads, beyond talk. Um, But ultimately, accountability matters. I'm thinking about the recent study funded by the Ford Foundation that showed that the statements made by the business roundtable companies that said that they were buying into stakeholder capitalism didn't always line up with their actions. Um, We can quibble with that study, but in general, I want to close with this idea of accountability and you two have mentioned that before particularly as it relates to um, the racial equity work uh, but also uh, being held accountable around the financial wellness of your customers so how are the two of you held accountable for the company's wellness goals and ultimately what will success look like uh, for your customers
2: yeah, so, 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 let me start. I mean, look, our responsibility within the retirement business is to bring a solid retirement plan design to each of our clients that really enables their participants to retire with confidence and security, and be financially well along the way. We've talked about that. Um, the right plan design can help organizations to simultaneously increase their retirement security, of its workforce while increasing the organization's bottom line. We talked about the business imperative as well as the, the, the participant benefits. Um, and, and really that is what we focused on. Uh, and frankly, we've been quite focused on shifting our approach as to how we look at the retirement plan design. And we are working very closely with clients and advisors to ensure their employees are prepared for their futures as well as another financial crisis which, which will happen. Um, And so we aren't aren't necessarily thinking differently as a result of COVID, but it has highlighted the shortcomings of the current approach and really further strengthened our resolve to help prepare our clients and participants. Um, Because at the end of the day, we are held accountable for outcomes, right? And it's those outcomes in terms of helping participants achieve those short-term and long-term goals, having the financial cushions that they need along the way, Um, And really helping them achieve the right outcomes will result in our clients, the employers, having the right outcomes as well.
1: And the same thing for uh, the, the group benefits business. Our vision and our mission is defined as achieving financial wellness for our clients and expanding that number. And we're measured on, as leaders, a balanced scorecard certainly financial results to the shareholder, but also employee uh, results, and also impact in the marketplace in terms of these financial wellness metrics. And we think about it in particular, to, to overly simplify it, as increasing the availability of access to these solutions, and then actually solving more and more people's problems and being there so that they can have access to and then use the financial, the solutions that help enable them to get to financial wellness. You know, so many people think that it is about individual agency that determines people's financial wellness. It's our strong belief that you can, we can put in systemic solutions that actually help a large class of the whole society. Um, in a better way and it's so it's our drive and motivation to be able to do that not only at the company level and the society level but then family by family as well and that's um, that's a worthwhile goal and the reason why we measure ourselves by that worthwhile goal is because candidly that's why people want to work here people are attracted to and excited to and like working at Prudential because we're focused on a higher purpose.
0: Jamie Janella, thanks for joining me on Emerge Everywhere. Thank you. Our pleasure. This has been Emerge Everywhere, a financial health network production. I'm Jennifer Tesher and I'd love to hear your ideas for future guests and your reactions to the show. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jen Tesher. If you liked this episode, please review the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the work and research we do, please visit emerge.finhealthnetwork.org. See you next time.